0: On today's Locked On Jayhawks, we preview the Kansas Harvard game and uh, look ahead to some of the matchups of the game between the Jayhawks and. You are Locked On Jayhawks, your daily podcast on the Kansas Jayhawks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Derek Johnson. You can hear me as well on Rock Chalk Sports Talk, Monday through Friday, 3 to 6 on KLWN in Lawrence. Thanks for making Locked on Jayhawks your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get any of your podcasts. You can also subscribe to us on our YouTube channel. And on today's edition of Locked on Jayhawks, we're previewing the Kansas-Harvard game, their final game before the Christmas break, their final game in the non-conference, still hitting Big 12 play. I know technically they play Kentucky in a non-conference game in the midst of Big 12 play, but... You know, this kind of feels like the separation of the calendar, so to speak. And today's episode of Locked on Jayhawks is brought to you by Sling TV. Sling has something new for everyone, especially when it comes to college football coverage with a massive lineup of games across the ACC, Big Ten, Pac-12, and SEC. You can always catch the games you want to on Sling. Check out Sling TV to see the massive lineup of games they have all season long. Sling, the TV you love for a price you'll love too. Try it today. Kansas takes on Harvard. And uh, the Jayhawks come into this matchup on an absolute roll. They've won their last four games since losing to Tennessee, and all of them have been absolute blowouts. In the case of the Texas Southern game, you expect it. In the cases of the Missouri-Seton Hall games, you expected them to win, but you didn't necessarily expect maybe the blowouts to the levels that they were. And then against Indiana... Certainly you didn't expect a 22-point victory, especially in a game where Jalen Wilson went 4 of 18. So Kansas on an absolute roll night now. They have exceeded all these expectations, seem to be really clicking to this point in time. Maybe you're getting some good matchups with what other teams want to do. But you come into this game, and it's interesting because you have Kansas rolling headed into the break. And so on that hand, you would think, oh, well, Kansas should be able to continue rolling against uh, a Harvard team, which is you know not one of the better teams you're going to be playing here. But the worry for me coming into this game would just be a possible letdown scenario. You're talking about after the Indiana win, high hype, you, you don't play again till the Big 12 play, kind of a down opponent with Harvard after playing Indiana. You have the, the colds, which I don't know how that's going to impact the crowd for the game. Certainly, it'll still be a good crowd because it always is with Allen Fieldhouse, um, but you never know. And you will also have to worry about, well, our guy's just thinking about, okay, I'm I'm going to get to go home tomorrow and I'm going to get to see my family, and I'm going to get to spend Christmas with my family members and everything, and then you're looking ahead. And the similar, I mean, we've seen other games in the past that it's been the last game before that Christmas break that has not gone well for Kansas. Like, the one that always comes to mind for me was the game that they played at Temple. Um, I think that was the 2013-2014 season, or maybe it was the 14-15 season, and they just got smacked at Temple. And I do think it, it does resonate more with us in our minds in games where that does happen. And then you think it through and you're like, well, actually they've won a lot more of those games than you remember. It's just, you don't really remember them blowing out UNLV in the final game of their, their non-conference slate right before the Christmas break, right? Like that doesn't kind of stick in your mind, so to speak. But uh, we saw it in the Southern Utah game where maybe you were looking ahead a little bit after the Duke win. It was kind of that perfect mix between times where maybe it was a look over game. and, And that would be the one worry for this game. Obviously you still expect Kansas to win the game, but Maybe that could differentiate whether Kansas wins by 20 or 30 points versus Kansas maybe uh, having to, I don't know, slightly sweat things out that you got to make some plays down the final few minutes of the game, or or it's still an eight point game with four minutes to go and you still got to kind of put things away. Um, Harvard is a top 200 team on Ken Palm. They are a top 140 team on Evan Miakawa's website with EvanMia.com and a top 150 team on Bart Torvix. So pretty much everywhere you look, they'd be kind of like a pretty solid, like mid-major team who maybe if they win the Ivy League can earn like a 13-seed, a 14-seed in the NCAA tournament and can maybe cause some some trouble from there. They're eight and four so far on the season. They have not played a single top 100 Ken Palm opponent. They did just play UC Irvine on Tuesday night in a road game, and UC Irvine is ranked 102nd. So that's a pretty good mid-major team. They beat them by five on the road. So uh, that's their closest game to a top 100 opponent. Now, all of a sudden, you don't just play a top 100 opponent. You play Kansas in Allen Fieldhouse. That is quite the jump in competition, which should certainly make things difficult for Harvard. Tempo-wise, Harvard is kind of middle of the pack in the country, um, but it definitely won't be a fully open running game that Kansas likes to have at times. Harvard, if they turn it over, you're not really going to have a choice of what you're doing transition-wise, but... And they're not a slow team, but they play kind of middle of pack offensively. They play that kind of motion offense when you think of an an Ivy League team. So um, not going to be a super up-and-down game, but there will be opportunities for it for Kansas. Now, Harvard has really struggled on the offensive side of the court. And honestly, the biggest reason why it just comes down to one thing, they have not been a good shooting team. Uh, They've actually, oddly enough, been pretty good at mid-range shots so far this season and they've been good at shots at the rim. And overall, their two-point shooting is about 55%, which is uh, one of the better marks in the country. But the problem is that three-point shooting, and they turn the ball over too much. And those two things have really weighed it down to where they're not getting a high point per possession mark, especially compared to their schedule. Harvard is 287th in turnover rate offensively. So, They have not been good at taking care of the basketball. They run into a ton of charges. They have a ton of non-steal turnovers. They can get the ball stolen a a good amount as well. That's problematic for them. But the three-point shooting is the biggest bugaboo of them all. Harvard ranks 362nd. Let me repeat that. Harvard ranks 362nd in the country in three-point shooting. They are shooting 24% on three-point shots. Twenty four percent. That sounds like a bad high school team. Maybe they're better than that. And there's going to be a correction coming along. And how many times have we seen that before where, you know, uh, an opponent or one shooter on the other team just goes off against Kansas? You know, so would it surprise you if Harvard just breaks out of their slump and they start four for nine? No, we've we've seen that story before a time or two against Kansas but they have not been good shooting the ball so far this season. Now, defensively, they've been pretty solid. They're top 70 overall on the defensive side on Bart Torvik's website, which, again, when you take into account they're a mid-major team, they could be even better than that. Uh, They're strong on defensive rebounds. They don't foul. They contest three-point shots well. They're top 50 in the country in steal rate, and they're top 100 in block rate. So they do a lot of things pretty well. They're top 60 overall in effective field goal percentage defense. So they've been solid on the defensive end of the floor. And for Kansas, if you're going to play a game where it's maybe not as open running up and down, and you are going to be stuck in more half-court offense, this is a good opportunity to get some reps in that half-court offense against a pretty good half-court defense heading into kind of the break here. Now, as far as the lineup, what Harvard's going to throw out there, uh, they have a six foot ten, two hundred and fifty-five-pound center. So they are not devoid of size on the inside. The backups are six, eight, six, nine. Again, not like you know the biggest player people that you're going to be playing against, but they they clearly have enough size to kind of go up with you there. That it's not a game where you know like Missouri, where it's six 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 seven kind of at the center position, uh, and they have pretty good size along the wings too, which is is interesting for Kansas matching up there. Six six two guard, six six three guard. Uh, the, their four man is depending on who they play could be six 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 foot eight. So the 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 two teams are actually going to line up pretty equivalently. Um, across the board in, in terms of the different size. All right, we're going to get to our matchups of the game in just a second here. But first, this episode of Locked on Jayhawks is brought to you by Online. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting information, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there from pro football to college bowl season to basketball and the World Cup Got it all at betonline.net. If you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. They are the fastest and easiest way to get your betting information. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. We're going to have our BetOnline segment of the week to finish things up on today's show, looking at the lines that you can get on the Chiefs, on KU basketball, both future and for this game, KU football, headed into Liberty Bowl. BetOnline, where the game starts matchups of game the first Jalen Wilson versus Chris Ledlam. so Jalen obviously Kansas's best player national player of the year candidate coming off kind of a down game by his standards mainly just shooting the ball four of 18 just wasn't going in for him Chris Ledlam, meanwhile, for Harvard, he's been their best player, and he plays a majority of his minutes at the four. He's a six foot six, 225 pound senior. He's averaging nearly 19 points, eight rebounds, two steals per game. He's getting over a block per game, and he's shooting over 50% from the field at 53%. He struggled, as is the team from three point range under 30%, uh, but he is a very good player overall. So Jalen's going to have his hands full on the defensive side of the court with Chris Ledlam. And you got to do a good job rebounding, which he really has all season long. But also, you're looking for a bounce back from him. Now, Harvard's going to also bring in Chisholm Okpara off the bench, who he'll play some backup five minutes. He'll play some backup four minutes. And he has been Harvard's highest rated defender on Evan Miyakawa's website. So Wilson's going to have to deal with him too when he's on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, but when you just look at this matchup, you basically say Kansas' is best player, Harvard's best player, they're going to be going up directly against each other. And you like Kansas's uh, players basically, if you're saying outside of the the top player on both teams, you're gonna like Kansas's next four players on the court over Harvard's next four players on the court. So Harvard's one chance to kind of make this a little more competitive is I guess they could just have a, a out of body shooting performance, which we talked about that earlier, but is Chris Ledlam playing as well as or outperforming Jalen Wilson in the matchup of kind of the top players? But for Jalen, if you just do your thing and and you impose your will and you outplay Chris Ledlam as you're kind of expected to, then that makes things so much more difficult on Harvard who really has, I mean, Ledlam's averaging almost 19 points per game. Nobody else is above nine points per game on Harvard. So it really is a big drop off for them in terms of their top player to kind of the rest of the guys there. And if Jalen does impose the will, it's kind of hard to see Harvard sticking around in this game. Matt. Chip number two ever is being guarded by Luca Sakota for Harvard. Don't mean to pick on the kid. Uh, the six foot six shooting guard from Harvard is one of just two rotation players for the Crimson who shoots above 30% from three. So on one end he can be one of their better three point shooters. And certainly Kansas needs to do a good job keen on him and, and identifying him because if you can stop one of their good three point shooters, then they're relying on more of the bad ones. But on the defensive end, Sakota has really struggled so far this season. He is by far Harvard's lowest rated defender. If you're looking at DBPR on Evan Miakawa's website, and if you extrapolate it out to show you how much he has struggled, it's not this, just that he's been Harvard's worst defender. Among the Ivy League defenders, there are set or, or just players, 76 different players qualify in terms of enough possessions played in the Ivy League, which you know, it's pretty good league among the mid-majors. feels like usually the team who wins it will get a, like I said, 12, 13, 14 seed and maybe upset a team, but it's not like the Ivy League is, is close to what the Big 12 or the Big East or the ACC, any of these other conferences are. And among the 76 qualified players, is the 65th of 76 on his defensive rating. I would think Grady Dick will be the one that Sakota is guarding, and that would make sense. You just kind of have a shooter on each other on both ends of the court. So realistically, it could be Grady Dick versus Dakota. But in case it's someone else, whoever it is, torch that matchup because you should have a big advantage in what you should be able to do in this game. Go out, take advantage of it. Matchup number three, Kansas on the defensive glass. Harvard has been above average as an offensive rebounding unit, whereas Kansas has been nationally average. But overall, to what they want to be, it might not be quite good enough for where they are. Now, interesting note, Kansas actually is about in line with where they were a season ago in their defensive rebounding rate, but more on that in a second. Lately, the numbers for Kansas defensive rebounding-wise have actually gotten a lot better. Um, Over the course of the season so far, opponents are getting about 29% of offensive rebounds against Kansas. After the Tennessee game, though, that number was over 30%. Since the Tennessee game, only Missouri, who was at 30%, was above that mark. And Texas Southern, Seton Hall, Indiana have combined to be around the 26% mark in terms of the amounts of offensive rebounds they are grabbing, the percentage of the rebounds that are up there. And in the case of Seton Hall and Indiana, like with Seton Hall, they are a very good offensive rebounding team with Indiana. They have a bunch of good big men with Trace Jackson Davis and and Race Thompson. that, That can certainly be a worry for you. So it might not sound like a huge improvement for me to say they're giving up over 30% of offensive rebounds after the Tennessee game. The past few games, a majority of them have been at 26%. Like, is it that big of a difference? Well, being at a 26% mark, or essentially the flip side of this would be if you get 74% of the defensive rebounds, that would put you top 85 in the country. And if you narrow that down even further to big conference schools, that would put you about top 30 in the country. Meanwhile, being at 29%, what Kansas is at now, puts Kansas almost 100 spots lower nationally. So it doesn't sound like a huge difference, but it very much is. And for what it's worth, Kansas ranked 196th in defensive rebounding rate last season. So you can still get it done with where they're at right now. But you'd obviously prefer to kind of clear that end of the floor. And the difference has been wing rebounding and that's something we've talked about here that's something we talked about on rock Chalk sports talk but as i was going over this i was i was looking back into the last four games how kansas has done on the glass versus the first few games and in my head it was just all the wings it was jalen wilson it was kevin mcculler it was grady dick but i looked and and jalen is averaging about the same amount of rebounds that he's averaged in the first seven games to what he's done the last four Kevin Kohler's rebound numbers are up over his last three games to his first uh, seven games because he missed the Texas Southern game, but it's only by like one rebound per game. So what has been the difference of them being better on the defensive glass? Well, it's been one guy, Grady Dick, because KJ still hasn't like just gobbled up a bunch of defensive rebounds. Grady Dick as a wing rebounder has been the difference. His first seven games, Grady had 27 total rebounds, so less than four rebounds per game. Over the last four games, Grady Dick has 23 total rebounds, nearly six per game. Again, that doesn't sound like a huge difference over the course of an entire game to say we got two extra rebounds, but I just went over the differences in percentages, and those two extra rebounds can be the difference in a small rate change for this team. The Wings rebounding well and Grady Dick's rebounding have have, uh, a way, and that'll be something that you're looking for to see if it's continued success against Harvard. Last matchup or a second to last matchup, Kansas Steels versus Harvard ball handling. Harvard has had trouble hanging onto the ball. Um, had a lot of turnovers so far this season. A lot of them have been of the charge variety and other non steel turnovers, but they're still 157th in getting the ball stolen from them offensively, whereas Kansas right now ranks in the top 15 in steel rate on the defensive end. They come off the 17th steel performance against Indiana, and this is an easy way to get down in the open court for those transition tries and speed up the tempo a bit. The last matchup is KU's bench impact. We saw Zuby Ajifor play really well off the bench against Indiana. We saw Bobby Pettiford do it. Pettiford's going to continue to have a big role. Uh Joe Yesufu I think is still probably going to play, you know, double digit minutes in this game. We'll see what you can get from any of the other bench centers or if MJ Rice can finally start to, you know, crack into more playing time here of late because that just hasn't really been working out so far, but uh the main bench impact I'm curious on is Zubi. Can he build off his last performance or will this continue to be a center carousel behind KJ Adams? All right, in just a second we're going to finish up with our bet online segment. Of the week. But first, we got to take a uh, break on our podcast audio side of things. We're here for Locked On Jayhawks coming up on tomorrow's show. We're going to be kind of looking at national signing day for KU football, as as that was the other day. Uh, KU football has also added a couple more transfer players Gage Keys, defensive lineman from Minnesota, Uh, Devin Phillips, defensive lineman from Colorado State, and another kicker, Charlie. I don't know if it's Weinrich or Weinrich. From Nebraska. So we'll discuss all of that, go in depth on that stuff. And uh, we'll also give out some Christmas presents to the Kansas football team, which we never really got around to. So we'll finish up with that on tomorrow's show, which we're excited to. Uh, but uh, the reason why is I'll be heading out of town on thursday so uh, we won't have friday's show to be able to to recap what happens in the harvard game we'll have to do that kind of next week uh our bet online segment of the week here to finish things up on this show with locked on jayhawks so i haven't seen a line as of yet for the kansas harvard matchup ken palm has it as a kansas 23 point win and an over under of 137 i would be taking if the line comes out anywhere with harvard getting 20 or more points I would be taking Harvard with the spread just because of the possible letdown opportunity. Um, I think Kansas wins the game, but if it's 20 or more, I could just see Harvard kind of keeping it a little bit closer there. We've seen enough of those games. I, I mentioned the Temple one last year. You only beat Stephen F. Austin in your last game before Christmas by, I think, eight points, and you needed a Remy Martin late shot to kind of get you over the hump there. We've seen some of these other games that that's how it's gone. So I'd be leaning Harvard with the spread, I would be leaning the over as well with 137 just because I do trust Kansas to be able to get out and transition enough and, and force enough steals. Now, if you're looking for long-term stuff, Kansas is 18-1 to right now to win the title, which is tied for fifth. That's actually worse odds than they started the season with. So if you were in that at the beginning of the year when I think they were 16-1, to might as well do it now. That's tied with Gonzaga. They're only behind Houston, Connecticut, UCLA, and Arizona. Uh, Jalen Wilson. Meanwhile, he's down to eight to one odds to win the wooden award, which is tied second with Oscar Sheboy. He's only behind Zach Eady at minus minus one forty five. You can also bet on the Liberty bowl for Kansas. Um, The line continues to move to Kansas. Every time we talk about this, it's going down. It's now Kansas plus two. Those odds are minus one Oh four on bet online. You can just bet on them on the money line though. If you're like, well, forget the plus two, you know, You don't see games end where a team loses by exactly one point that often. So if you just want a money line, take Kansas plus 123. Over under 69 and a half. If you want the over, it's minus 108. The under is minus 112. So they're trying to get you to take the over, which maybe makes you think about taking the under. But certainly we've seen both offenses be really good and both defenses definitely struggle at times. And last up, Chiefs playing on a Saturday. They're minus 10 against the Seattle Seahawks. Tough to take the Chiefs minus 10 after the way they've looked the past few weeks, but maybe this is a bounce-back opportunity, and when you don't expect it is is when they come uh, up with the victory there. Over-under 49, going to be really cold. I don't know how windy it's going to be. I don't know. I'm assuming the snow is going to be gone by then, so that scares you a little bit. Seattle likes to uh, run the football if they could, but I don't know. I I wouldn't be touching that over-under or the spread in that game, but I do like the uh, over Projectably for the Kansas basketball game. All right, that's going to do it for this episode of Locked On Jayhawks. Coming up tomorrow, we're going to go over National Signing Day. Kansas adding three more transfer pickups on the football side. Ku football Christmas presents. This is Locked On Jayhawks. Don't forget, you can uh, subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube. Hit us up with any questions at D Johnson Radio on Twitter or in the comment section on YouTube. We'll see you on tomorrow's show. And uh, as always, you can catch me on another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk later today. Bye.